So that's Mozart's version of the ancient Christian prayer, Te Deum. It was written in the fourth century. It's often attributed to the rock star theologians Ambrose and Augustine. That attribution is likely doubtful, but that's our story and we're sticking to it. In any case, it's an ancient prayer. In the 16th century, this prayer made its way into the Book of Common Prayer of the Anglican Church, and the Anglican Church added some verses from the Psalter, the Hebrew Psalter. Uh, one of them is from Psalm 28, which I'll read now. This is the portion of the Te Deum that starts with, Save your people, Lord. Psalm 28, To you, O Lord, I call my rock, don't refuse to hear me, for if you are silent with me, I shall be like those who go down into the pit. The Lord is my strength and my shield, in God my heart trusts. So I am helped and my heart exults, and with my song I will give thanks to God. The Lord is the strength of God's people. God is the saving refuge of the anointed. Save your people, Lord. Bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. So, I've told you this before, so you know this. You know that these ancient, beloved Christian prayers and songs are named for the first word in the text. So, for instance, Gloria, Magnificat, Sanctus, Benedictus, Nunc Dimittis, Credo, Agnus Dei, thus Te Deum. So I wanted to check a translation of one of these lines in the Latin version of the Te Deum, and I took a year of Latin in college, so I was fairly confident about my translation, but not sure, so I asked my staff. They didn't know the answer, but they had some good advice. They said, just go find a Joseph Sears student. And I was so happy. They teach Latin at Joseph Sears. Maybe they do in all the Nutrier schools, I don't know, but at least at Sears. And sure enough, I found an eighth grader from Joseph Sears, and she had the right answer for me. So in English, the first two words of the Tadeum, you, God. Te, second person pronoun in the accusative case, and deum, the accusative form of the Latin noun deus, or God. A fairly accurate 21st century translation of the first line of the Deum would be, Yo, God, we're praising you down here, pay attention. <laughs> now the church, as I said, has been praying this prayer for 1600 years, since the 4th century so beloved that it's often sung at special occasions like the coronation of a monarch or the canonization of a saint or the consecration of a bishop. 1,600 years. And so over the centuries, the church's greatest composers have taken a shot at the Te Deum. Marc-Antoine Charpentier, Georg Friedrich Handel, Joseph Haydn, Hector Berlioz, John Rutter, Arvo Pert, and, of course, Giacomo Puccini, who concludes the first act of his masterpiece, Tosca, with a partial Te Deum. i got to tell you this story. If I don't tell you, there's nobody to tell. In my last church, Metro New York City, uh, one of my members was an opera aficionado. He was evangelical about opera. He wanted to save your life with opera. He wanted to change your life with Puccini. And he was very generous with uh, the Metropolitan Opera. And when you're very generous with the Metropolitan Opera, they give you fistfuls of dress rehears rehearsal tickets. It's wonderful. 11 o'clock on Friday morning, full dress, full orchestra. Usually the singers 
are in full voice. He had fistfuls of these tickets. And when I moved to New York as an opera virgin, he wanted to save my soul with opera. And so he would give me these tickets and he was very calculating, he was very shrewd. One of the early operas he gave me was Tosca, where the first uh, act happens in a church, of course, and where that first act concludes with that back and forth between Scarpia, the James Comey of 19th century Rome, and the church, church choir singing Te Deum. So I was converted. So who's the greatest opera composer of all time? Is it uh, Wagner or Verdi or Puccini, the father, son, and Holy Ghost of opera? You discuss amongst yourselves at coffee hour. <laughs> so anyway, I want you to know how lucky you are this morning. On your way out this morning, thank Lisa Bond for the genius of this worship experience. We owe this to Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. This is, this is wonderful. Um, because together, these two compositions of the Te Deum express the vast range of the church's faith across the centuries, right? Right now, in this moment, we are betwixt and between in, in several different ways. We are standing between the 18th century and the 21st century. Mozart composed his Te Deum in 1769, and some of you are doing the math as I speak and calculating that Mozart was 13 years old when he wrote. What were you doing when you were 13? <laughs> Rene Clausen's Todayum is hot off the press, brand new, 2015. So here we are between the 18th and the 21st centuries. Here we are between Austrian Christianity and American Christianity. We are standing between the language of the church and the language of the street the ecclesiastical tongue and the vernacular tongue, our vernacular. We're standing between Rome and Wittenberg, right? Between the Catholic and the Lutheran expressions of Christianity. Mozart was Austrian, of course, and therefore vividly, dramatically Catholic, eloquently Catholic. And Rene Clausen was educated at St. Olaf's and now teaches at Concordia, both in Minnesota and both wonderful ELCA schools. By the way, Neither here nor there, but Rene Clausen uh, received his master's and doctoral degrees from the University of Illinois, Urbana. The Catholic and the Lutheran use almost exactly the same words in their praise of God, but it's not surprising that they use words in different ways and to different purpose. And so in his today, Mozart is being faithful to his theological heritage. Until the middle of the 20th century, the Catholic Church taught that you should never worship God with the language of the street. The vernacular languages, Italian, German, English, they were too vulgar for sacred worship. And so you should never pray in church with the same words you use to barter for fish in the market. It was not worthy. So Latin was God's language. Latin was the church's tongue. Because, you see, the Catholic Church is better at mystery than Protestants, right? All those smells and bells, those spooky Gothic cathedral, that magic moment when the bread and wine turn into the body and blood of Christ, the Catholic Church is better at mystery. And so they use this holy language, Latin. And Latin puts a scrim between us and God, doesn't it? There's a barrier between us and God with the Latin because we have to strain so hard to understand what the choir is singing. We don't, we don't coo to our babies in Latin. And this is just so, right? This is good. 
because God is not to be owned. God is not to be had. God is not to be seen. God is the mysterium tremendum et fascinans, the force that both frightens and fascinates. And Mozart does this for us. But also, in his todayum, René Clausen is being faithful to his theological heritage. Because Martin Luther disagreed profoundly with the Roman Catholic Church. Martin Luther wanted to take the words of the Bible and the language of the church out of the ivory tower and put it down on the pavement where any besmirched street urchin could get at it, right? So he translated the Bible into German for the first time and started worshiping God in German, the vulgar language. And that's right too, the Catholic and the Lutheran. Yo God, says René Clausen in the vulgar language. We understand that. That's good too. The Catholic and the Lutheran are both true. God is as distant as the furthest star and closer to us than breathing. God is unapproachable and also our ever-constant companion. And here we stand between the two. Thank you, Lisa. And so with the church throughout the ages, in the ancient beloved words, we pray in te domini sperave, confundar in eternum, in you, Lord, have I hoped, let me never be confounded.